And the secretary's office. Good morning. Give me Michael James, miss. Confidential. Who is speaking, please? Charles Lane works. You're going through, sir. Uh, Mr. Charles Lane to speak to you, sir. Thank you. Hello, Charles. Hello, Michael. Sorry to worry you, but there's a minor snag in the Paris strip for Bernard Higgins. Bernard, the assistant public hangman? Yes. You know he's been detailed to uh, uh, perform his duties in France on the Avenue Falk murder. Yes, that's right. One of our soldiers was found guilty. What about it? Higgins has left by air, but he's also left instructions that his rope is to be sent over by special messenger. The hangman's rope? Afraid so. Who shall I send? One of your men? Well, I, I can't spare anybody, Charles. Tell you what, there's a firm just off Piccadilly who specialise in odd sort of jobs. Give them a ring on Grosvenor 5995. 5195. Got that. What's the address? Just a minute. Assignments Unlimited. 33 Half Moon Street. Charles Lane outlined the job he had for us. It seemed so simple and straightforward that I thought it hardly worth the attentions of a special operator. A British soldier had been convicted of murder in France and was to be executed there under British law. The assistant hangman, Bernard Higgins, had been detailed for the task and had left by air for Orly Airport in Paris. But for some reason, he'd left his rope behind with instructions that it was to follow him. There was apparently some urgency, and the rope was to be dispatched immediately by special messenger. A macabre assignment, perhaps, but a simple one. Lane handed me a closed suitcase and a return ticket to Paris, and since the weather was fine, I decided to enjoy a few hours in Paris myself. Leaving details of my whereabouts with Miss Fairweather, I left with a suitcase for London Airport, boarded the Paris plane, and half an hour later touched down on French soil. Bonjour, monsieur. Oh, bonjour. You will be staying long in Paris, monsieur? Oh, just three hours. I'm catching the afternoon plan back again. Uh, do you have a reservation? Yes. Uh, uh, here it is. Thank you, monsieur. Now, where would you like to sit on your return journey? Up front? Well, that would be fine. Uh, your luggage, monsieur? Oh, the suitcase. <laughs> well, not exactly. I'm to deliver it. May I see? Of course. Oh, these, uh, these papers go with it. Merci. Ah, the British Ministry of Works, I see. Uh, oh, just a moment, monsieur. I think there is a message for you. Anton. It was left by a gentleman an hour ago. Merci. There. Thank you. Oh, it's... Oh, yes, it's just to change the address to where I'm to deliver the suitcase. Up here. Uh, is there anything you have to declare, monsieur? No, nothing at all. The suitcase. May I look inside? Of course. It is quite heavy. Huh? Uh, what do you carry here from the Ministry of Works? It's a hangman's rope. Pardon, monsieur. The soldier who is to be hanged tomorrow. The hangman is here already and the suitcase contains his rope. Well, don't you want to look inside? That will not be necessary, monsieur. Thank you. That is all. Uh, this note from the hangman. Uh, oh, it was the hangman who left the note. Yes. Well, there's something wrong. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, well, it says I'm to go to 16 Rue Fiable. Do you know where that is, by any chance? I am sure that the taxi driver will be here. Manuel!
Take this gentleman to 16 Rue Fiable at once. Si, senor. Many of our taxis are driven these days by Spanish immigrants, monsieur. But uh, Manuel knows Paris intimately. Uh, good day, monsieur. The Capitano seemed in a hurry to take his leave of you, senor. Yes, he did, brother. You speak English very well. In Paris, the language is as necessary as French, senor. The Capitano did say Rue Fiable. Yes. Well, why do you ask? It is a quarter of Paris that has a, a bad reputation, senor. But no doubt you have a good reason for going there. I have. Must I wait for you, senor? No, that won't be necessary, thank you. You are to meet someone there, senor? Now, look, Manuel. I suppose you drive me to where I want to go and don't ask so many questions. Ah, now I understand. What do you understand? An English gentleman is put into my taxi by the Capitano of Customs, and I must drive to Rufiab. The Capitano gives me much work, senor. <laughs> Manuel will ask no more questions. No questions at all. There you are. Keep the change. Gracias, senor. And good luck, senor. Sixteen. Hmm. Well, he was certainly right about the area. Unsavory is a mild word. I wonder why Higgins wanted the suitcase delivered here. Well, there's one way to find out. Yeah, that's odd. Hmm. Unlocked. Hello? Hello? Anyone at home? Hello? Well, there's no one here. Oh, there's a note on the tin. Please leave suitcase on table. Thank you, Higgins. Hmm, there's something fishy about this. I don't know what your game is, Mr. Higgins, but I'm not leaving the suitcase here. Where are you going to, mate? Where? Oh. Well, where did you come from? The kitchen. You brought Higgins's rope? Yes, it's in this suitcase. Well, why don't you leave it on the table like he asked in the note? Who are you, may I ask? A friend. You should have told the taxi to wait. You'll have to walk halfway back to the river to get another one. Well, go on. Put the case on the table and scarper. Look, okay, let's get one thing straight, old chap. I've not the least intention of leaving anything here until I meet Higgins in person. My instructions are to leave the suitcase with him and no one else. Now, do I make myself quite clear? I told you I was a friend, didn't I? Can you identify yourself? Are you trying to be funny, mate? Well, perhaps I was, unconsciously. Well, then, if you're a friend of Mr. Higgins, you can tell him that I've left his suitcase at the original address, the Hotel Cormoran. He can collect it there at the desk. Now, now, just a minute, mate. Not so fast. I tried to be friendly with you, didn't I? Now, just give me the case like a good bloke and scarper. And if you know what's good for you, you'll keep your mouth shut, see? Are you threatening me, my fellow? Give me that case. What an unsavory character. Like the area you live in. Well, I'll leave you to your sweet dreams and walk towards the river. Stay where you are. Oh, who the blazes are you? Let's say that I'm a woman with a purpose. Now, put the suitcase on the table. I warn you. I'll use this gun on the least provocation. It seems to me that a lot of people are going to do a lot of trouble just to lay hands on a hangman's rope. Perhaps. Just do as I say. Oh, who you tried to fool? That gun you're waving at me isn't fitted with a silencer. If you fire it, you'll have half the neighbors about your ears followed by the gendarmerie. 
See that vase on the mantelpiece? Yes. Mm, nice shot. Nice sound. It's as familiar here as beetle music in a working-class suburb. I'm beginning to believe you. That's better. Now, what's your name? Mason. Aubrey Mason. Yours? It's not important. Are you from the Ministry? No. No, I run a private organization, Assignments Unlimited. I was employed to bring the suitcase here by the Ministry. <laughs> I thought you looked a bit too intelligent for a Ministry man. You can handle yourself, too. The tiger got quite a shock, and he's an ex-pugilist. No. No, don't turn around. I'm not quite sure what to do with you, Mr. Mason. You've upset our plans quite a bit. Now, tiger. <coughs> the rotten lousy... Hold it. Once is enough. You could only get better of him when he wasn't looking. Why, he took me by surprise, Yes, Nada. didn't he? Pity a man like him has to come to an untimely end. He'd be worth six of you. But I have a feeling that Mr. Mason, whoever he might be, has far too many scruples. All right. Tie him up and dump him in the corner. The hatchet will be here at midnight, and he can write Feeney to Mr. Mason. Okay, okay, I'm coming every time I try to take a bath. What do you want? Mr. Cannon, do you have to shout like that? Oh, it's you. Well, how do you know it's me? Look, what is this, a guessing game? Miss Penny Fairweather of Assignments Unlimited. I know your voice anywhere. I was taking a bath and it's my night off. Well, there's no need to stand on your dignity. I'm not standing on my dignity. I'm standing on... Oh, never mind. I suppose the chief wants me. I'm afraid he might. You're afraid he might. Look, he either wants me or he doesn't. If you just let me explain, Mr. Cannon... Okay, okay, what is it? Mr. Mason left for Paris late this morning. He was supposed to take the afternoon plane back. He booked, but he hasn't returned. Well, maybe he got tied up. Do you know he always leaves a message? Did you, uh, did you check with the airport? Of course. So what was he doing in Paris anyway? Delivering a hangman's rope. Well, that's one way of boosting the export drive. It was for Mr. Higgins, the executioner. I phoned him in Paris and he hasn't received the rope, nor has he seen Mr. Mason. I got a little worried, so I phoned you. Okay, so I'll go to Paris in the morning and see if I can find him. Now, do you mind if I get back to my bath? Couldn't you go tonight, Mr. Cannon? There's a Westbury freight plane leaves in half an hour. It would all be on the expense sheet. Well, what am I supposed to do all night in Paris? Well, that, uh, that wasn't a very intelligent remark, Miss Fairweather. Okay, I'll go. Well, I've booked two seats. Two seats? Oh, I thought I'd come with you to give you the full brief. Oh, well, then that remark wasn't so unintelligent after all. What's that, Mr. Cannon? Uh, never mind, skipping. I'll pick you up in ten minutes, Mr. Cannon. Well, that should give you time to make yourself respectable. Well, my life became respectable when you booked that second seat. Okay, Penny Fairweather, but if you've got me off on a wild goose chase, you know what I'll do with that hangman's rope? Yeah, well, you've just told me, Mr. Cannon. Skip it. <laughs> My head was throbbing like a million devils gone mad. I felt sick and my tongue was twice its size in my throat. After a while, I became conscious of my surroundings. The dingy room, the table, and the suitcase. The suitcase? Oh, yes, there it was on the table just as I'd left it. Fragments of the cheap vase littered the floor, and I remembered the girl with the gun and the lout she'd called Tiger. But I was alone, bound hand and foot. My eyes alighted on the suitcase again, and suddenly... I had an overwhelming compulsion to see what was inside. 
Then I saw the broken fragments of pottery again. I rolled over and over towards the mantelpiece. Sitting up, I searched behind my back with my bound hands and with numb fingers caught a sharp fragment of the vase. My head swam again and I lost my balance. The sharp edge on the broken pottery knifed into me and I felt the warm trickle of blood oozing from a cut in my thigh. I tried again. This time, I wedged the piece of vase in between a crack in the fire grate. Then I began to saw the rope binding my hands, slowly, slowly, with infinite patience, slowly, slowly. Sure, it's all right for us to come in here, Mr. Cannon. Look, the guy at the airport said this is where the captain goes to relax. We got to talk to the captain, so we come here. Come to think of it, the captain hasn't got bad taste at dinner. Table for two, monsieur? Uh, oh, no, no, I was uh, I was looking for the captain of customs, all the airport. They said he might be here. Ah, oui, monsieur. Captain Jacques Leroy. Uh, that one, monsieur. Hmm? Not the blonde. Uh, lady friend, monsieur. Oh, I see, yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks very much. Come on. Uh, excuse me, uh, Captain Leroy? Yes? Well, my name's Cannon. I'm looking for a man who should have boarded the afternoon plane back to London. He didn't make it, and I wondered if you might remember him. How could I remember him if he didn't arrive? Well, he, uh, he came in on the late morning plane. You couldn't mistake him because his luggage was, uh, well, let's say, out of the ordinary. Ah, uh, not the man with the angler's rope? Yeah, that's right. Any idea where he went to? I must certainly do. Eh, pardon, chérie. Wrong way on drugs, tout de suite. Come this way. <laughs> My wife, you know. <laughs> she would be upset if she knew the contents of that suitcase. Yeah, well, it was only a coil of him broke. I know, I know. They always I... make it out of him stronger, you know. Yes, yes. Couldn't afford I, to have a snap. Monsieur, I put your friend in a taxi. There was a note left for him to go to number 16 Rue Fiable. It is what you call a rough quarter of Paris. He was taken there by a Spanish taxi driver, Manuel. I do not know his other name. That is all I can tell you. Uh, good night. Uh, 16 Rue Fiable, yes, you said? that is correct, monsieur. Au revoir. Well? Well, now we know where he went. Let's grab a cab. We're hot in the scent, which is more than I can say for the captain's wife. He seemed quite upset about the rope. And do you know why Penny Fairweather? His wife. His wife? Yeah. She's giving him too much rope. The driver wouldn't wait for us, Mr. Cannon. Well, this looks like a crummy joint to me. Maybe I shouldn't have brought you along. You'd have no compunction about bringing Gail Hamilton. Well, that's different. Well, then, uh, number 16, here it is. Shall I ring the doorbell? No, 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 not yet. There's something here that's, uh, that's offbeat. The chief came over here at the request of the Ministry of Works. That makes the journey official. Now, why would they have something delivered to a flop house like this? The customs captain said Mr. Mason received a note asking him to change the assignation. Well, that checks. You said this hangman fellow Higgins didn't get the rope that was sent to him. Well, that's what he told me on the phone. Uh-huh. Okay, you stay close behind me. We're going in. <gasps> what is it? Look, 
under the door. Blood. Yeah, you're right. Oh. It's locked. Look, I'm going to bust it in. Stand back. Is, is that you, Cannon? The chief. Yeah, yeah, it's me, chief. You all right? Yes. Listen, don't break down the door. Uh, have you got your skeleton keys? You bet. Well, use them. Okay. Mr. Mason. Oh, it's, it's all right, Miss Fairweather. May I ask why you brought her to a place like this, Cannon? Oh, it wasn't his fault, Mr. Mason. I wanted to come. We only played a hunch, Chief. We didn't know. I'll lock the door again, will you, Cannon? You lock it from the inside? Yes. Our birds will be back sometime, I think. I'd like them to find the door just as they left it. Okay. Well, what happened, anyway? Oh, I was held up at gunpoint by an attractive young lady and coshed by an ex-pugilist. So far as I can gather, simply so that they could get their hands on a hangman's rope. But after messing me up, they left the suitcase containing the rope behind. You mean the rope's still in there? Coiled, but fortunately not knotted. Well, it could be they're friends of the condemned man and just wanted to keep the rope from the hangman. Oh, possibly. But would it be kind to delay the execution of a friend when he's doomed anyway? Mm, no evidence, maybe? Oh, there's machinery of law to take care of that contingency. Yeah, but this is France, Chief. Well, the man was tried by British justice. Hence the hangman and not Madame Guillotine. How did you find me here? The captain of the airport said that you could... I can hear someone coming. Look, move to the window, Chief. I'll deal with whoever it is. Not on your life, Cannon. That's a heavy tread. It just might be an ex-pugilist named Tiger. I have a small score to settle. Lost a touch, Chief. And uh, looking at him, I'd say that you've more than even the score. I haven't, Cannon. That's not the tiger. I've never set eyes on this man before. We waited in that filthy hovel until dawn, but no one else came. The search of the heavily built stranger revealed an armpit holster that carried a small, shiny steel hatchet home to razor sharpness. Well, the purpose of his visit was pretty obvious. He didn't recover consciousness. I must have hit him harder than I intended, but reflecting on the reason for his presence, I felt no regrets. At dawn, we delivered the rope to the hangman, aloof in his officialdom and surly at the delay. And two hours later, spruced and clean again, we were winging our way back to London. Well, Chief, it's got me bamboozled. That gorilla with the hatchet meant business. Now, who'd go to all that trouble just to keep a public hangman from his hempen rope? I can't fathom it either. Unless they thought I was the hangman. You mean some nut working on uh, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? Well, it's a remote possibility. You know, maybe that's why Higgins the hangman travels with no luggage. Charming thought. Well, they might have warned me. Good heavens. Well, what's the matter? Keep your newspaper in front of my face. All right. She's gone past. Watch for her coming back. She mustn't see me. Well, it was... Uh, it was some dame. Who is it? The young woman who held me up at gunpoint last night. No kidding. I was never more serious in my life. Well, uh, shall I tell the pilot to radio ahead? No, no, not yet. I'm absolutely sure it's the same woman, of course, but it's another thing to prove it. When we land, we'll check with the manifest and see who she is. Then I think it'll be time for the police. 
Will all passengers extinguish cigarettes and fasten seat belts, please? We're coming to land now at London Airport. Will all British and French nationals report through exit B? Other nationals through exit Y. All right, I'll use my own paper this time. I made a slip in it. Uh, well, she's seated. It's her, no doubt about it. A girl like that, it's unbelievable. Maybe, Chief, but that hatchet was awful real. You know, I'm going to tell that, though. I just got a feeling that if we give her enough rope, she'll hang herself. Miss Helwey, also, the passenger list. Seat number 18, Mrs. Nada Lazar. Do you know anything about her? Oh, Mrs. Lazar, well, she's reckoned to be the best dressed in England or France. Not surprising, her old man's supposed to have left her a fortune. She's always on the society page. Goes to the continents just about every week. Anything else you want to know, sir? No, you've been most kind. Here's something for your trouble. Thank you, sir. Come on, Cannon. Well? Well? Well, is there a word to describe that? Sure. Screwy. Look, Chief, I'm going to tell that doll like I said. If you don't hear from me for three or four days, don't worry. You won't do anything illegal, Cannon. Oh, Chief, you know me better than that. Yes, I do. That's why I asked. Just leave it to me. I've got an idea about this hangman's rope deal. Could be I'll use it to tie up the loose ends. I'd noticed that Cannon had made a note of Nada Lazar's address and wondered what reception he'd receive when he paid her a call. I wasn't kept wondering long. The morning newspaper headlines screamed the news from every corner. Read all about it. Society woman missing. Mrs. Lazar missing from London Fat. Read all about it. Where was the mysterious Mrs. Lazar? Only Cannon knew. But she was safe, well cared for and nurtured by the patient Cannon. In fact, he was the lady's only companion for three days. He did nothing, nothing at all. He didn't even talk to the lady. Yet at the end of three days, it wasn't just the headlines that were screaming. All right. Whoever you are, you win. You win, I tell you. What do you want? Money? I'll give you anything you like. Just name it, but but let me free. I just want to know why you sent a hatchet man to carve up my chief. I also want to know why you stole a hangman's rope and then threw it away. I'll tell you. I'll tell you anything you want to know. I'll bet you will. But you know, I don't think you have to tell me a thing, Nada Lazar. I think I know it already. Cannon phoned the police, and the mystery was ended. Mrs. Nada Lazar was not left a wealthy woman on the demise of her husband. But she had grown accustomed to the sweet life, and didn't take kindly to giving it up. Accepted as she was in social circles and known to be a constant traveller, she took to smuggling. Mrs. Lazar was a resourceful woman. Narcotics were her speciality, and like most dope peddlers, she fell for her own wares. Addicted to drugs, she broke down under the three days' surveillance by Cannon and told him everything. Cannon had guessed right. On my trip to the continent, the suitcase containing the hangman's rope also contained a fortune in marijuana. She guessed that the customs official would never open the case to examine its grisly contents. Nothing is more unnerving than a hangman's hempen rope. Marijuana, by the way, is also called Indian hemp, which gave the story its title, Hemp for the Hangman. <laughs>